many years ago, I, uh, I had a job. I worked with the National Prayer Committee. That's a coalition of prayer ministries from all across the United States, all across denominational lines. I Actually, beyond the United States, as long as they were doing something in the States, they were there. I, I had the privilege of meeting, and, and I, I hugged her, uh, a little old lady named Megan, uh, who I told, la- our, I told my daughter Megan later, I said, we named you after her. I didn't meet her until you were about 10 years old, but still, we named you, because she was really old, so you were named after her, um, but Megan was Welsh, and she had been uh, an infant, a child, during the great Welsh revival, and she was there uh, during that time when, when the police stations were shut down and the jails were shut down, and the cops didn't have anything else to do because everybody was converted, so, so they formed choirs, and you know, they... They did things like that, but I got to meet Megan, and that just just amazes me when I stop and think about what a privilege and honor it was to meet her. Uh, Every now and then, I would get a phone call when I worked for the National Prayer Committee. I'd get a phone call from my boss. His name was David Bryant, and you may have heard of him. You may have read some of his books. He's a man who literally wrote the book on prayer. I mean, he wrote several of the books on prayer, and and David is an amazing prayer leader. he would pray with the president. He would pray with world leaders. He would pray in, in groups. I, I was in a group of thousands of preachers, and, and David was there leading us in prayer. I remember uh, there was a, a march on Washington, and there in the mall, hundreds of thousands of men on their knees praying, and there's David Bryant up on the screen leading them in prayer. Uh, he, uh, he had a deep, continues to have a, a deep passion for prayer, but Every now and then, David would call me, uh, kind of line me out, tell me what I needed to do. And at the end of every phone call, David would pray for me. And I would sit there on the phone with my head bowed and my eyes closed, and I would think, wow, he is praying for me. Every now and then, somebody blesses us like that. They, it's beyond just someone saying, you know, I'm going to pray for you. They, they really do it. And, and they... They, they stop everything and they pray for us. And it's just an amazing blessing to know that there are people that pour their heart and energy into prayer like that. We just got done with a study through the letter to the Colossians here. And Paul talks about Epaphras at the end of the letter to the Colossians. And he says, Epaphras prays for you. He doesn't just say that he prays for you. He says he wrestles in prayer for you. He struggles in prayer for you. And, and it amazes us when we have someone in our life that has that kind of intensity in prayer. You know know that they're there for those late night phone calls. You know that they'll drop everything and pray for you right then and there. There's times when you're in a hospital or you've lost someone important and you know this person is praying for you. And that thought hits you in that moment. This person knows me. They know my heart. They know my struggles. They know my need. And they are praying for me. We call tonight Maundy Thursday and the name always confused me when I was younger, and I still chuckle at, at it. I got a message today that said, Happy Monday, Thursday. Uh, like, well, that's close. It's not quite right, but that's, that's close. We remember an awful lot about this day and about this night. We, we remember the upper room. Uh, we remember Jesus washing his disciples' feet. It's a beautiful thing to get to do, share that moment last year as, uh, as Jesus washed his feet. We remember the Lord's Supper, and we'll do that in just a little bit here. Um, we remember that Jesus said that night, a new command I give to you. And that's why we call it Maundy Thursday, because in Latin, 
the word mandi. We get the word mandate from mandate. It's a new command I give you. A new command I give you that you love one another. We had to be commanded to love one another. That you love one another just as I have loved you. As I have loved you, that you should also love one another. And so that is our command. And, and we, we read Jesus' prayer uh, from that night. Uh, we, Jesus knew His disciples. He knew their hearts. He knew their struggles. And we should know each other that way too. We should love one another that way. We also remember that this is the night when He spent in the garden praying and struggling and, and praying with such intensity that, that it was, they said that he, he, it was like He sweat drops of blood that night. And so it's, it's Jesus' best friend, the Apostle John, who records Jesus' prayer for us in John chapter 17. We're going to look at that prayer tonight. If you want to grab one of those Bibles in front of you, it's page 903. Um, I encourage you to follow along. Jesus prays for an awful lot in John chapter 17. Um, he prays for his own needs because he knows that the cross is coming soon, that, that the soldiers are going to be coming and he'll soon be handed over. He prays for his disciples. He prays for the 11, for his followers, for the strength that they need, the commitment that they need. But the amazing thing is that in this prayer, Jesus also prays for us. He's praying for you in this prayer. He's praying for me. He's praying for us. In verse 20, he says, I don't just pray for these, you know, these 11. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. Jesus is praying for us. And it's important that we look at his prayer for us. It says there in verses 20 through 23, Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they, that is us, that we may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. One thing we often see in church is that so often in church we get to be the answer to each other's prayers. You know what I mean? We get to, we get to be the answer to each other's prayers. Someone prays and they need comfort and somebody brings that comfort. Somebody prays and they need peace and, and we come and we bring the peace that they need. They need healing and we visit them and we bring healing. They need hope. We visit them and, and we bring hope. We, we call that the ministry of presence because Christ is in us. When we go and we encourage someone, we're bringing Christ there and we are, we are answering that prayer. But I think it's an incredible thing it's a beautiful thing to realize that, that Jesus knows for us here. He, he knows us here, and He prays for us here. But I think it's an incredible thing that we get to be a part of the answer to Jesus' prayer. We get to be a part of the answer to the prayer that Jesus is praying here. Because we answer Jesus' prayer when we come together as one. When we are united. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say united right now, should I? The, News about United isn't all that good. You know, 
speaking of the airlines, I'm afraid I already wrote the sermon before all that happened. So <sighs> We have to admit that we tend to think about the negative though, don't we? We tend to focus on the, on the negative. And it's easy in this world to, to just see the problems and to just see the conflicts and see the, the real troubles that are out there. We see wars and we see divisions. We see disharmony and we see racial disharmony. We see political disharmony. We, we see all kinds of disharmony. We see politicians that can't work together. But there are some amazing examples of unity in our world, of whole communities coming together to take care of each other. We see the, the examples of families and friends coming together. We see marriages being reconciled and people sorting out differences. Whole communities that will rally together to support someone and, and they hold together as one. But you know, Jesus doesn't call the church to look for its example of unity in any of those places. The example Jesus calls us to look to isn't as big as nations working together. It, it's not even the example of marriages that are working together or family or friends. He calls us to find our inspiration and our example in His relationship with the Father. We are to be one in the same way that Jesus is one with the Father. He says there in verse 21 that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I don't think there's time here to uh, really do a, a good sermon that covers all of the, the doctrine of the Trinity. We probably don't have time tonight to, to cover the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, but let me address Jesus' words this way. Jesus prays that we would be one just as He and the Father are one. You ever wonder if sometimes Jesus has a bad day in heaven? You know, Jesus just has kind of a rotten day and He's just one of those rotten, no good, horrible days in heaven. And He and the Father just don't get along very well that day. And you ever wonder if Jesus just says to the Father every now and then, Dad, you stay on your side of heaven? I'll stay on my side of heaven. I cannot talk to you when you're like this. Probably doesn't happen, does it? Definitely doesn't, doesn't happen. That kind of conflict is not possible between the Father and the Son. Unity is part of their nature. But so is distinction. You know, the Son has characteristics that the Father does not have. The, uh, the Father has characteristics the Son does not have. The Holy Spirit has completely, uh, wholly different characteristics than, than the Father and the Son. And in the same way, you know, Peter was a very different person than Paul. But if you read their words, there is harmony in their message and there is unity in what they have to say. We would be fools if we were to say, oh, all churches are the same. Yeah, it doesn't matter. All, all churches are the same because we're different. And what Jesus is praying for here is unity. It's, it's not uniformity. He hasn't got a big church-shaped cookie cutter and he's just stamping out one after another and they look exactly the same they taste exactly the same yeah no yeah your your cookie may have you know uh your cookie may have chocolate in it our cookie has nuts in it you know it's it's, it's all different kinds of stuff you know we've got all different kinds of cookies and they're not all the same shape but rather his his prayer is that we would stand together as one one message uh one hope and and one purpose because when we do that, the blessing isn't just for our churches. The blessing is for our community. The blessing is for Kansas. Because our unity bears witness to God's grace. The, the unity that we live in and, and work in and, and love in, that bears witness 
to God's grace. So Jesus prays for us. And as he prays for us, we see these layers developing. He wants us to be in unity so that we can have unity with the Father and the Son so that we can be like them. Why? So that the world may believe that, that the Father has sent me. So it's not just about you and I getting along. It's not just about us working together. It's about what the world hears when they see our unity. Can they hear the gospel through our unity? Can they hear the gospel through the way that we work together? Can they see us and realize that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life? That's a beautiful thing. But we have to ask, does the world hear that when they, when they see us? Or do they see our differences? Do they see our divisions? Do they see our own conflicts? Do they see that we can't always work together? I can't tell you how many times it's happened. I meet somebody new and they say, what do you do for a living? I usually lie at first and tell them I'm a plumber. I figure it's easier. I figure it's I, lion tamer. I've tried lion tamer a few times. That seems more believable than that I would be a preacher. Uh, depending on where I am, but uh, but people ask me, "What do you do?" And I say, "I'm a preacher." And they and they say, "Well, where do you preach at?" I say, "In Kansas." And then the question is, question comes, which church? You know, and, and I hear the tone change because I know what they're looking for. I, they're 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 looking for what is it that makes your church different? What makes your church special from from any other church? This is an old joke, and I've told it before. And I've told it on Maundy Thursday before, but I don't care. Um, and also, I'm pretty sure that there was a time when I was told never to tell this joke again, but I haven't been in trouble for a while, Danny. Uh, so what the heck? Let's just go with it. <laughs> Danny's got his phone ready, just in case he gets a call. This Irishman walks into a pub, and he uh, sits down at the bar, and he orders a pint. He orders a, a pint of Guinness. Bartender gives him his pint. He raises, stands up, raises his pint, and he says, Is there anyone here who will raise a pint with me to Ireland? And on the other end of the bar, a man stands up and says, I'll raise a pint with you to Ireland. And they click their pints together, and they take a swig. And he says, Where are you from? He says, I'm from a little town north of Dublin. And the other guy says, I'm from a little town north of Dublin. And they click their glasses together, and they take a drink. And he says, Where did you go to school? I went to school at St. Mary's. I went to school at St. Mary's. And they click their glasses together and they take another drink. What year did you graduate? I graduated in 1963. I graduated in 1963. And they hug each other and they just start drinking and drinking. And the bartender has just had enough and he throws his bar towel down. He says, I'm sick and tired of it. Someone says, Mick, what's the problem? He says, the O'Malley twins are drunk again. <laughs> See, you love the joke just as much as I do. We call those O'Malley moments, and an O'Malley moment is that realization that of something that should have been so obvious we should have seen it in the first place. You know, you should have saw that joke coming. But I think an O'Malley moment is also the realization that we have far more in common than we have that divides us. We have far more that relates us than that divides us, greater than the names on our buildings and greater than the the style of worship, the way that we interpret certain scriptures, greater than the, the road that separates us or the alley that divides our properties. We pray to the same God. We're saved by the same Son. We're filled with the same Spirit. 
What would happen if we really started living that out? What would happen to us? But, but not just what would happen to us, what would happen to our community? What would happen to Kansas if we really started living that out? That's where this prayer goes. Jesus wants our unity to stand as a witness to God's love for our community. He wants our unity to stand as a witness to His love for our community. We have a, we have a phrase here at Kansas. I think it started with Ivis Peace, who uh, stole it from Max Lucado, who stole it from me. Um, and the phrase is this, it's not about me. It's not about me. We've drilled that into our heads for years. It's not about any of us. And in the same way, this prayer, he may be praying for us. <laughs> it's not about us. Look at verses 21 and 22. He says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. That's Jesus' prayer for us. But why is he praying that? Verse 23, I and them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. So that the people of our world, so that Kansas may know that the Father has sent the Son and that you love them even as you have loved me. Our unity is to be a testimony. Not a testimony to our ability to get along with each other. It's not just a testimony to our willingness to lay aside our differences, but by Jesus' own words, our unity is a testimony that God sent His Son into the world and that He loves this world just as He loves His Son. It's a beautiful thing when we get to answer each other's prayers and we get to be there for, for each other. And it's a very humbling thing when we realize that we get to answer Jesus' prayer, Jesus' prayer by, by being there for each other. But it should also energize us and motivate us and, and move us to realize that we are answering his prayer for our world. We're answering his prayer for Kansas. Jesus prayed for us so that we could answer his prayer for the people that we see every day, the people that we love the most. And so lately I've been wondering, what if we took Jesus' prayer seriously? What if the body of Christ in Kansas, Illinois, really took Jesus' prayer seriously. What if, what if pray for Kansas became our mission? What if pray for Kansas became a rallying cry for us? What if people knew that you can't live in Kansas without some Christian praying for you somewhere? <laughs> Depending, no matter what church they attend, or if they attend church at all. That if you live in Kansas, a Christian is going to pray for you. We worry, we worry about our school, you know? We worry about our schools. We worry about our kids. What are they doing? We worry about whether or not we're going to have a school. What if every teacher, what if every aide, what if every administrator, every board member, and every student knew that they were being prayed for by name? What if every street in town was walked in prayer, every home was covered in prayer. What would happen? Jesus says that the world may know that you sent me and you love them 
even as you love me, that Kansas may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Pray for Kansas. Pray for our community. And let's, let's answer Jesus' prayer together. There's a very popular statement. I think it's in a song or two. And I know I've seen it on posters and, and seen it on church signs, especially around Easter time. But there's a very popular statement. When He was on the cross, you were on His mind. That's a beautiful thought. When He was on, a cro- on the cross, you were on His mind. But don't forget that the night before He died, when He was in the garden, when He was praying and alone and weeping, when He was in such anguish that, that drops of blood were coming like sweat out of His forehead, that in the intensity of that moment, knowing what lay ahead in just the next few hours, the prayer coming out of His mouth, the prayer going to His Father was for you and for me. It was for our community. That the witness that we have in this world would point them towards a loving and giving God. In a few moments, we're going to partake of, of a great symbol of that unity. We're going to meet around a common table. Uh, we're going to share a common meal. Uh, and we do this because we have a most uncommon Savior. He prayed for us in this moment. He prayed for our hearts to be united. He prayed that the message that we carry would be effective because it has brought us together. Let me pray, and then we're going to sing Tis Midnight and on Olive's Brow. And then as you're ready, as you, uh, as you come to that moment where you're ready to come and take, we just invite you to come and take. And please just, uh, just leave in silence as we uh, kind of keep the Spirit of, uh, of these days and make our way to uh, Sunday, sunrise, Easter sunrise together. Let me pray. Father, we, we want to begin our prayer tonight by agreeing with Your Son, Jesus. His deepest prayer for us was that we would have unity. That we would love and respect, trust, forgive, and honor each other. That the blood of Christ shed for us would be the blood that binds us together as family. And so tonight, we pray for that kind of unity. The unity that Jesus gave His life for. But like your son, we don't just pray for us. We pray for our community. We pray for Kansas. That our friends and neighbors may know that you sent your son and love them even as you love your son. And Father... They may never find that truth in the pages of the Bible. They may never even see John 3.16. Let them find it in our friendship and the peace that we bring as we seek to answer your son's prayer. Almighty Father, whose dear son on the night before he suffered instituted the sacrament of his body and blood, mercifully grant us that we may receive it thankfully in remembrance of Jesus Christ our Lord, who in these holy mysteries gave us a pledge of eternal life and who now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.